Hey friends, welcome to Pop Culture Makes Me Jealous. I'm your host, Julia, and today's guest is Libby Saylor from The Goddess Attainable, and we are talking about when Harry met Sally. Everyone knows this movie, When Harry Met Sally. It's widely famous for various reasons, most notably Rob Reiner's mother's line after Meg Ryan fakes a big O in the diner, Reiner's mother says, I'll have what she's having. This film also introduces the concept that men and women can't be friends. When Harry Met Sally landed in theaters on July 21st, 1989, and two days later, the Hollywood Reporter ran an article titled, Smart Women, Foolish Choices, Men Who Can't Love, run from commitment. They had this to say, although certainly not pretending to be a panacea for the myriad ills of modern romance, Castle Rock Entertainment's When Harry Met Sally is beautiful, brainy, touching, and lilting romantic comedy that should touch the heartstrings of lovers and those yearning to be loved everywhere. The film is one of Nora Ephron's claims to fame, garnering an Academy Award nomination for Best writing screenplay written directly for the screen that is an exact quote by the way like that is an exact line in how they had it written out before we dive in i want to introduce you to my guest libby libby sailor is an artist blogger and podcast host living and working in the philadelphia area her blog and podcast the goddess attainable aim to inspire and empower women to become their authentic goddess selves unapologetically. She explores topics of love and dating, self-love and personal growth, and spirituality and healing, among others. She lives with her partner in the suburbs of Philly and loves spending time with her family, including her fraternal twin sister. They share the love of pop culture and stand-up comedy and love to analyze all things pop culture with their Virgo critical minds. She also needs nature in her life, loves to cook and bake, and can't go too long without watching a movie in an actual movie theater with popcorn, candy, and soda. Same Libby. (laughs) ghostbusters is her all-time favorite movie the original you guys listening the original followed closely by jurassic park welcome to the show libby thank you you made me sound fabulous (laughs) because you are fabulous (laughs) (laughs) thank you okay thanks for having me i'm happy you're here i'm glad it worked out for us yeah okay so let's dive in with a summary of the movie first and this summary is from google so it's not my fault (laughs) i didn't write it (laughs) in 1977 college graduates harry burns played by billy crystal and sally albright played by Meg Ryan, share a contentious car ride from Chicago to New York, during which they argue about whether men and women can ever truly be strictly platonic friends. Ten years later, Harry and Sally meet again at a bookstore, and in the company of their respective best friends, Jess, played by Bruno Kirby, and Marie, played by Carrie Fisher, attempt to stay friends without sex becoming an issue between them. This movie is truly defining not only as a rom-com, but also a classic in its own right. On August 9th, 2018, Vanity Fair ran a listicle of the best 25 romantic comedies of all time. And when Harry Met Sally was number one, it's number one a lot. Yeah. There's so much to talk about here. So we're just going to dive in with the easy stuff first. Do we love this movie and why? (laughs) I think it's easy for me to say yes. And I have, I had to think about like, why do I love this? Not that, not that it wasn't obvious, but the thing that stood out 
for me the most, which is really random. I love movies with an 80s New York backdrop. Yes, same. I just, yeah. And I started listing like all of the 80s movies from New York with a New York backdrop. Crocodile Dundee, obviously Ghostbusters. I mean, that's, I mean, Ghostbusters for me is brilliant, but like the New York part is huge. Mm-hmm. Wall Street, big. Yes. Dream Team. I don't know if you've seen Dream Team is kind of obscure, but oh, I haven't seen so Dream funny. Team, but I will Michael add it to Keaton. my list. Oh, yeah. I love Michael Keaton. Michael, Michael Keaton, at, like at his best. Oh, okay. um, working Girl, mm-hmm. Fame, mm-hmm. and Baby Boom. Those are kind of the ones that came to mind. But I just love, and I was like, okay, well, why do I love 80s New York so much? Like, why is this a thing for me? So honestly, I think part of it is just like superficial. Like I mm-hmm. love the fashion and the mm-hmm. hair. Mm-hmm. Um, I was a child, so I was born in 79, but I had an older half sister who was like a teenager in the eighties and she lived in Manhattan. She grew up in Manhattan. So I have these like really vivid memories of like driving through the Lincoln tunnel with like Michael Jackson in the background. And like those moments, you know, before you pull out of the Lincoln tunnel and then you enter and you're like, Oh my God, I'm alive. You know, it's (laughs) such a, I was such a New York person, you know, and I, I I got to live there for four years as a, as an adult, but so there's this nostalgia thing for me. I think weird stuff, like everybody's still smoking, which is funny. It's like terrible, but I'm like, I don't know. It's an eighties thing. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a huge part for me. That's just to start with this movie, you know? Um, there's elements too. Like when you say the whole new, the smoking New Yorker situation like when I watch older movies and yeah I hate to lump 80s movies into that older category but that's just it, where they we are, are now. though we're old it's old yeah, yeah. it's old now <laughs> there's something there's something about it that feels I don't know very <laughs> this is terrible I'm not endorsing smoking everybody <laughs> no, but I there's something about say. it that just feels <sighs> very cool gro- yeah grown oh. up yeah cool <laughs> yeah. and grown up because Hollywood up until the mid nineties pretty much had characters smoking all the time. Yeah. And I feel like Mad Men even brought back a little bit of that. Like, Mm -hmm. oh yeah, this does look pretty cool. Like it's so messed up. Like it's, It's, yeah, yeah, it's, we're not endorsing. We're not endorsing it. It's terrible. I was a smoker for 20 years. Don't do it. Like my lungs hurt. There's fires everywhere in California. My lungs hurt on the daily because of that. And I (laughs) feel like- it yeah. does suck, but I feel like if I hadn't smoked, I would yeah. probably still have lung pain, but it wouldn't be as bad. Yeah. I wouldn't yeah, be yeah, as yeah. terrified of being diagnosed with something anytime yeah. soon. Yeah. <laughs> just don't start. Just don't do it. Don't start. But we recognize and honor the fact that it looks kind of cool in movies, <laughs> which is part of the problem. <laughs> it's a problem. Yeah. But I'm a, you know, I'm a product of this culture. I'm a total pop culture whatever. So Mm -hmm. yeah, I think I, anyway, there's not a ton of cigarette smoking in Harry met Sally, if any, but that's sort of more of the eighties, New York vibe. Um, yeah. So that was one of my reasons. And then another thing that I, and I really kind of, this became a little more clear, even watching it last night, rewatching it last night is, you know, a lot of rom-coms, they happen over like a short period of time. Mm-hmm. I mean, very rare is it like a day, but maybe like a couple weeks, a couple months or something. Right. And this was real, this was over 12 years. And 
there's some, I noticed this, like there was a projection and there were like stages of their relationship, which I think is really romantic, like mm-hmm. in real life. So, you know, it starts off with this, these superficial, you know, like they're whatever, they kind of annoy each other. And, yeah. and, and then they sort of, they're, when they start hanging out, they get to know each other's quirks, which is kind of, it's romantic. You're like, She's jamming the mail in the mailbox. Like she's taking a million years, but like he's still hanging out with her, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's like just this quirk he's getting used to. And then what was, I think the turning point in the movie where my heart really started to like swell actually was when they had that fight at um, Jess and Marie's where he had just bumped into his ex-wife. He was really upset. He started screaming and Sally got kind of mad at him. Like you need to, you know, rein it in or whatever. And he was sort of like gave, they just had a back and forth. And at the end, and she really defended herself. She like stood her ground. And then he was like, are you done? Can I say something? And she was like, yes. And he was like, I'm sorry. And he just like melted. I was like, oh my God, that's okay. He's a keep, like now he's not as much of a jerk. Mm -hmm. So, and then of course they, they like are full on relationship vibes, but I think that's why this movie gets to like everybody and the relationship, it just reels you in because there's so many points where you can like enter the story. Cause you're like, that happened to me once, you know, mm-hmm. even if you're not relating to all of it. So I love your point about the little bits and, you know, you see the relationship develop over time because yeah. as you say, we don't get that in rom-coms. So it makes yeah. the end so much stronger because they've just spent this time together and there are gaps of time where they don't see each other, but because their starting point is in 1977, it's yeah. still, it's still over a decade of knowing it, that each other exists. Cause you know, he says in the, um, restaurant scene when they're trying to set up Marie and yeah, <sighs> Jess, Jess, thank you. I'm like, I said yeah, it to him earlier <laughs> and he's like, you Sal- say Bruno, Bruno, may he rest in peace. <laughs> yeah. He, he's like, Sally's a great orderer, you know? And that, yes. that was a huge moment too, because when they first meet and they're driving across from Chicago to New York, he finds the way she orders to be so irritating in that yes. first restaurant scene. But then he's like, she's a great orderer. She knows what she wants. She's got it. No, she's like, I didn't even know. Scene. Yeah. It was like, she was, and you know, they were not like Bruno, okay. Bruno and Meg Ryan, Jess and Sally, they were not getting along on this like blind date thing, but it was so sweet how he was just like trying to make her feel comfortable because mm-hmm. Jess and I was like, Sally writes for New York because at that point, he, Jess was like completely not interested Inter- and was yeah. inter- interested in Marie. And so Harry's trying to like just, yeah, he's just like trying to build her up and it's like genuine yeah. and it's like, oh, he's like really cares about her. Yeah. Yeah. And even after the, at the end, when they leave, leave the restaurant and he, she's like, you know, yeah. Marie's like, are you into jazz? Yeah. And she's like, oh <laughs> no, but, but you know what, but Meg Ryan's like, but just wait though, because I don't want Harry's feelings yeah. to be her. And they're then just caring about each. And then he does yeah. it too. Like don't mm-hmm. Sally's really vulnerable right now. So they're just like, they're actually caring about each other as human beings. I don't think pop culture does a good enough job in general of just exploring like what it's really like mm-hmm. to like love someone. Cause it's like, yeah, you have to deal with all this stuff that you don't really like. And the real love is when you're like, I still love you and want to be with you, even though this is super gross right now. <laughs> <laughs> 
I, it's romantic, you know, it is. And that's probably one of the reasons why it lands on the top 20, you know, is yeah. number one all the time, because it is yeah. a longer, it's a longer development of the relationship. So it makes them getting yeah. together in the end feel so much better. Yeah. We're because, like so invested by then because you know, they're going to make it as opposed yeah. to like other rom-coms where you're just like, well, this was just over the course of three weeks. Call me in four yeah. years. Are you guys like, still good together? Luck. Yeah, yeah. Good luck. Good luck. This Let's is see. the honeymoon phase. You're in the honeymoon <laughs> phase. We don't know if yeah. it's going to last. Everyone yeah. wants the honeymoon phase. Yeah. But in when Harry met Sally, they have a foundation already. Yeah. They don't even really have a honeymoon phase. I mean, I guess after they kiss and make out, you know, then it jumps to like, they got married. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that, but that's fine. I'm not like missing the honeymoon phase in this movie at all. It doesn't take away from the romance. And I feel like because they spent so much time together building a friendship first, the honeymoon phase is kind of longer lasting and not as obvious yeah. because you're going to have those sweet moments because they already care. They already love. There's yeah. already affection. And it's not waned. It's still the same amount of power it was throughout the entire time because they've spent all this time getting to be together. Yeah. Like their life can be the honeymoon now. Yes. Yes. I think Meg Ryan for me is just like a huge part of why I love it. And I know that sounds like obvious. And I, I wrote all these kind of like, they're terrible things. Like it's, it's not like, PC. It's like, I'm embarrassed to say, but I'm like, she's just so pretty. Yeah. She's really looking at her and she's like refreshing. You know, I also like that she, and I, uh, there's more to unpack about this later, but like, I like that she's like kind of this sort of difficult or not difficult. She's, she's controlling, you know, I mean, I identify with her as like, yeah, I identify with her as like, like Virgo, like very particular, and you know we'll we'll get into this later about how that's like demonized you know Mm -hmm. falsely demonized but like I like it because it's not you know I think of and I have to admit my favorite one of my favorite rom-coms of all time it's so bad is uh how to lose a guy in 10 days oh my gosh (laughs) it's like the worst (laughs) one but I love it (laughs) Libby whenever it's on tv I'm not changing the channel (laughs) you have to keep it's so good but so bad but like you know Kate Hudson is like, she's such a cool girl. Like she actually has to pretend to be annoying in order to whatever, but like, she's actually cool. And I don't really identify, like I identify with like Catherine Hahn, who's like, I'm in love with him. I knew him for five days and he, you know, I'm going to die without him. Like, yeah, that's, that's me, you know? (laughs) So Meg Ryan is kind of, I just identify with her mm-hmm. more than some like cool girl, I guess. Cause yeah. so I find her refreshing. Yeah. The script, I'd feel like the script is exceptional and it's exceptional in this way that it's really hard to, not that it's hard to tell that it's, that it's exceptional, but it, because it's in this rom-com mm-hmm. genre, you're just like, oh, this is funny that, but like every line is kind of brilliant mm-hmm. and like perfectly curated and it's so exceptional that I think it takes it to the next level and I think that's why you have that like timeless thing because it's just the script is just so brilliant it's yes. not sloppy at all no and it's yeah so it's funny that you bring that up because there's the story that Nora Ephron wrote she has this book. I think it was the last one before she um, passed. It's called, okay. I remember nothing in other reflections. And she has a short huh. essay in here called 
my life as an heiress. And it's all about how she and her sisters are expecting this inheritance from an uncle and they're expecting so much money. And at the time she's writing this screenplay, but she's not really into writing the screenplay and she's super broke. And so, Mm. you know, if they get this windfall of money, they'll be okay. Yada, yada, yada. She calculates that they'll probably each get couple of hundred thousand dollars from this inheritance if his estate is this much etc yeah at the end of this short essay she says they end up not getting very much money from the estate because their uncle was a philanderer i guess Uh. the screenplay she was working on when harry met sally so had she inherited the maximum amount of money she anticipated to inherit we she probably she wasn't planning to finish the script isn't that wild That is amazing. That's also amazing. Just like from an artist perspective, I hate to say it it sounds so cheesy, but like you kind of create so much better work when you're suffering a little bit. It sounds so like dumb, but it's like, it's true. Kind of, It's totally true. Oh my God. I kind of like thought you were going to say that. I was like, when you said she was working on a script, I was like, I wonder if this is that. Oh my Mm -hmm. God. That's crazy. And could you imagine if we didn't have it? Because you're not wrong. It is such a well-written script. It's funny. Every time I've watched it, it's never not funny. Yeah. And, and you know, the fact that it won an or was nominated for an Academy Award for best original screenplay is kind of a big deal. Cause rom-coms don't rom-coms aren't taken seriously No, And they're not really meant to be written well even yeah (laughs) that's not like the focus right it's just to you know feel my sad desires of wanting to to be romanced feel pathetic for an hour and a half but also comforted yes and then turn it off and go have ice cream (laughs) yes yes yeah (laughs) or if you're like me have the ice cream yeah. and beer while watching the movie. I was going to say, like, that doesn't sound like you're ready to have it after. You have to have it during because why wouldn't you? Right. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, I just thought <laughs> when I first read that essay, because I think the book came out in 12. So when I read that essay, okay. I was like, oh my that's amazing. gosh, that's yeah. wild. Yeah. That's and I wild. really don't want to imagine life without this movie. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I always watch it in the fall. It's one of my favorites. It's a fall because you know, like you mentioned, oh. the background of um totally, totally autumn in New York and stuff. And like she's got the beautiful blazers yes. and sweaters and uh, I love all of her sweaters. I'm like, if I'm gonna I mean, rock an yeah. 80s style, I'm gonna tap Sally Albright. <laughs> I know. And the red one and the glass, like the red sweater with the glasses, just all of and I'm just I still I'm not over the fact that 80s fashion is like no longer yeah. I don't think I'll ever be over it because I just love it so much so yeah <laughs> that makes sense I love that watching in the fall that's amazing mm-hmm. I'm, I'm a seasonal show movie watcher like there's oh. movies that people are like oh I watch this all year long I'm like uh no that movie Save is it. only between November 1st and December 31st like Anna oh Green God, Gables the Anna uh-huh. Green Gables series I only watch it in the fall Last year though was so stressful that I kind of I did pull it out in April to watch it preemptively. You're like I just need this right now. Yeah, I was like I need Anne. I need yeah. Anne. I need Gilbert. I need their love, and it's comforting. <laughs> oh my god, I love that. That is so cool. The seasonal thing. Okay, I got every. Think about there's that. so much stuff. Like I think Marvel is the only constant uh, is the only constant because everything constant. else is, has a very specific. I can only watch it during this yeah. time of year. I go through Marvel spurts where I'm like, I need to watch Marvel a little bit every day for like two months yeah. and then I'll like get it out of my system and then I won't watch it for like a while. And then I don't like have a resurgence and I need 
almost like daily yeah. dose of Marvel. It's, it's oddly comforting for me. So if I have a stressful Same. week, I'm like throwing on, you know, like, cause I know good's going to win. Like totally. There's so many reasons why. Yeah. Yeah. Another podcast, but yeah. That's, yes. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. Well, we can't talk about this movie without talking about the most famous scene, which we referenced a little earlier in the intro. I'll have what she's having in an article titled I'll have what she's having, how the scene from when Harry met Sally changed the way we talk about sex. Lisa Bonos writes, it was the moment women realized this thing they were doing in private was in fact universal. It was the first time many men learned about the charade, but it also gave viewers a specific and perhaps skewed picture of how pleasure should look and sound. So I was 17 the first time I watched this movie. My brother was like, you have to see this movie before you start dating because it's going to make dating make sense. So I didn't fully understand that joke from experience at the time. But I think intrinsically, I understood that, you know, as women, we often pretend to enjoy doing something, even though we're just like, (laughs) the worst torture. Right. (laughs) Like, I really just want to stop pretending. Um, (laughs) So I want to talk about the impact of that scene, because prior to this, there really didn't exist. Like, it was scandalous if you had any sort of reference to sex, anything, right? Like, Golden Girls was a big, they they tackled stuff like yeah. that love me but it wasn't girls yeah. yeah but like the simulation of sex wasn't really like yeah. present but now I feel like you can't turn the tv on without there being like sex scenes which whatever I don't care about that stuff yeah do you think this scene and this film had the ripple effect that set you know the shot heard around the world when it comes yeah. to it but when you first saw this scene like what was the impact for you because for me I was like is this a thing I'm gonna have to do because I don't want to yeah. do that <laughs> no it doesn't look fun I don't want to yeah. think anything <laughs> no um yeah there's so many thoughts because I feel like and I can't remember the first time I saw it okay. which sucks I just I can't remember but I know I was obviously younger and I think that I identify, you had read something about the quote from that article about how it kind of threw women off thinking like, is this what, is this what like an orgasm is supposed to feel like? I'm not feeling that. Right. I remember feeling like insecure and kind of ashamed when I saw the, I think that stood out more for me than like the actual faking part. Okay. About like, oh God, I'm gonna have to deal with that. And or like, you know, I wasn't even that far along. I was more just like, oh, is that what orgasms, are? you know, like mine don't really seem like, you know, they're fine, yeah. but the yeah. ones that I'm having are not like that. And if so there's something wrong with me that I'm not like slamming the table and like screaming. <laughs> right. Cause, Cause yeah, that's cause she what she so does. Yeah. Yeah. And it was so believable. Mm-hmm. So that was like my first, first kind of feeling when that happened. And, but I also feel like it's so, when you said the part about how men in the theater were like not responding, you know, during Mm -hmm. these like test scenes and the women were like hit in hysterics and the men were just like completely had no idea what people were laughing at. Yeah, That is so huge to me. Cause it's like, it, it really shows the power of how women protect the male ego. Yeah. And I hate to, I hate to, I'm not 
meaning to blame women or put the blame on women at all, but it's more like, I do think it's kind of our responsibility to maybe start just looking at that to be like, mm-hmm. I don't need to give him this comfort. You know, there's so many ways where we're not given comfort. So right. why do they need comfort? The only tricky part is, you know, the male ego can be so fragile that if you're in a relationship with someone and it, you know, it's a solid relationship, but like for whatever reason, he like can't handle that. He can't handle yeah. not, he can't handle knowing that he hasn't, ple- you know, given you pleasure. Then it's like, oh, I can totally see why women do it then. Cause it's way easier to just fake it than get into a whole thing about like, mm-hmm. look, I don't need an orgasm in order to feel pleasure. Cause they don't believe us when we right. say that anyway. Right. Which is and also it, frustrating because believe me when I'm telling you, right. I'm fine without screaming. Yeah, during, right. You know? And that's so you bring up a, up a couple of really good points. One, the representation of sex in pop culture and how, like, sometimes I watch shows where I'm just like, you know, no. I'm good not watching people have sex because that looks <laughs> awkward and not yeah. fun or, or yeah. just like, it's just awkward. It's just yeah. the representation is so like, out there and I know I have a lot of women friends who are like I don't really have a whole lot of a sex drive and da 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 and I feel like I'm oh, failing yeah. and Welcome I'm just like being 40 yeah and I'm just like you're not failing it's just your body like we're all made differently in terms of like protective the whole like faking and everything yeah you know I feel like that's a construct that we've been forced into to protect the ego because we're just as women the gender roles have always been you know you're the nurturer you're the you know well, the nurturers, yeah. the caregiver, you have to, you're a people pleaser. Like that's the role that, you know, we've been fighting against for the last 50 years, but that's the role that's existed for millennia yeah. for us. Right. And yeah. so having to come out of that is so huge. And I think Nora Ephron opening the door to that, like there's a friends yeah. episode where they talk about where Chandler and Joey and Monica and Rachel <laughs> are like <laughs> talking about, like, I don't know if you remember this episode. I can't remember what season it was, but they're like, the, the girls are like, oh, there's like seven things, like points that you could touch to make this a really great thing. Like the erogenous and, zone. Yeah. yeah. And Chandler's like seven, like she's numbering <laughs> them like one, two, three, and they're nodding yeah. along. And then uh-huh. he, she's like four, five, six, seven. He's like, seven? <laughs> like what? Like there's more I could be doing. I had no idea. Yeah. And then there's, um, another reference I wanted to bring up. So Outlander, the first season, Sam Hewen's character. And I think you say her name, Katrina, I think is how you say her name. It's Irish it's spelled with lots of mm. other syllables in there, <laughs> or lots of other letters in there. So I'm not hundred percent sure their characters on the show. Like he asks her, he's a virgin on the night they get married. She's not because she's a time traveler and was married previously. He asks her after their um, wedding night, he's like, was it good for you too? And she was like, uh, <laughs> not really yeah (laughs) and but they created this scene where he was like okay explain it to me so they had this relationship where they could have that conversation in a healthy way so then and then now every episode after that they're clearly enjoying each other's they figured it out they figured it out and he didn't have a you know he wasn't angry about it he didn't his ego wasn't killed because of it he was very receptive to her saying like no that wasn't great and like, let's figure it out. 
And I just, I love that finally someone was like, cause you know, on TV, we see yeah. that a lot. We see like the guy getting pissed off because, you know, yeah, the woman's well, and like, that's like what really happened. I mean, like I, that scene sounds amazing. And I feel like that would be, a that would be awesome if that is what happens in real life. Yeah. I think it's, I appreciate that it's put out there to the world, hopefully yeah. to show men, like you don't have to get mad about this, you know, right. But, it's okay to I, not know how to do something. <laughs> yeah. Like also, I mean, oh my God, sex, that's a whole other, like, forget it. You know, like 18 different women have 18 different ways that they like to be touched. So like, of course the guy's not going to know, but like, you're also not going to know if we don't talk about it. And if I don't tell you, I actually don't like that. I really like that. But the hard part is like, you know, I understand the whole protection of the male ego only because it can be really scary mm-hmm. to, conf- you know, I've had screwed up dating situations where I tried to be like, I mean, in the gentle, you know, you have to yeah. use the right tone and pick the right time to just even bring it up, you know, and they get like so mad. And it was like, I don't feel safe in this situation. This isn't going to work for me. Cause if I can't tell you, I like this instead of this, mm-hmm. That's really problematic. But the other thing I was thinking of is, you know, with Harry Sally, with the orgasm scene, like, cause you were talking about like all these different sex scenes on TV and stuff. And I feel like even now with all the like saturation, I don't know if there are a ton of like orgasm scenes out there. Mm. Like they, they'll, there's like a sex scene where, you know, it's totally not real. And it's like, they're up against a wall. It's like, mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. That but you're like seven cool, inches shorter than that guy. How right. does that like, work? It's just, it, I mean, I wish it worked because yeah. it seems cool, but it doesn't. But I feel like I, I can't even think of like, what's another scene where they sort of do like a full orgasm scene. That's not like, you know, she kind of moans a little elevated for like two seconds, you know, like, right. like Sally is like Full, full to the on. point where like you're uncomfortable watching a little mm-hmm. bit it's kind of like you're like what's going on this is very intense yeah I feel weird right now yeah so that doesn't happen a lot so the fact that this you know happened in the 80s and yeah like that's monumental kind of and it's I think really a big deal to do a scene like that and the mm-hmm. fact that it's still not really happening all that much what does that mean is that what is that censorship say? thing? I don't know. Like that. Or is you know, that just the... like, yeah, I don't, maybe, maybe it is. And then later in the movie, when they finally do actually have sex with each other, it, <laughs> we don't see anything, right? Like we just no. see them sort of making out and then we see the after and, the after. <laughs> and Harry's freaking and it was out. Terrible. Yeah. The, the look on his face. <laughs> He's just like deer in headlights. Like, mm-hmm, yeah, yeah. Water sounds I want to go. Yeah. I want to leave. I want to leave right now. When can I leave? <laughs> yeah. I actually really liked the way that they did that too, in the sense of like, yeah. you see her sort of do this performative thing in, you know, Kat Steiner. And then, and then yeah. later on, you don't see it at all. I think, I don't know. I really appreciate sort of the discretion there. And again, I really don't mm-hmm. care yeah. about like whether or not there's ton of, tons of sex on, um, on screen. That's not an issue for me. But I think that when you are telling a story, I need to know what's the point of the nudity and like the sex. Like I hate it it. when it's like pointless. Like you just threw tits in there to throw tits in there. Like that's stupid to me. Totally. There's I'm, I love the new, well, the star Trek series with Chris Pine, who Mm. is my husband. Yeah. He's beautiful. 
<laughs> yeah. But it was the, I'm so bad. I love the first, the first part of that series, but it was the second or the third one. And there's an actress with blonde hair in it and she's totally lovely. And I, I feel kind of bad for her as an actress almost. Cause it's like her role is like, so kind of pointless. And there's mm-hmm. a scene where she, he catches her like changing or something. So she's like, in her pants, I think she had a bra, but like no top on. And Mm. it's so obvious that she's just, they put her there for like the skin and the whatever. And she's beautiful. And like, that's it. And it's just, it kind of sucks for her. Cause it's like, that's the role, you know, it's better than nothing, but it's also like, Oh God, it's so obvious why they put her in here. So Mm -hmm. yeah, that's just annoying in general. So same show Outlander that I referenced earlier, they go back in time to the first seasons in 1745. Um, So there's a lot of nudity in it. So Mm -hmm. then I'm, you know, then I do the whole, was there like a lot of nudity in 1745? Like I can't remember kind of stuff. I'm sure they were pretty covered up. Right. (laughs) So there's, so when it's historical fiction, I fall down that rabbit hole. Like I said, I'm not a fan of you just threw. Yeah nudity in there for the sake of nudity and I think that's stupid because sex sells yeah but it sells more when it's done right like if you do it in a way that like within Harry Met Sally where they have this faking orgasm scene and then later on they are intimate but you don't get the full view of the intimacy I think that's way more powerful than being like here's everybody naked (laughs) <laughs> yeah. And that scene wasn't even about the, the actual one they had sex. That scene mm-hmm. wasn't even about them having sex as right. like it was, but like as much as like the awkwardness after and how he kind of treated her like crap sort of yeah. after the fact, which I also think was yeah. a good move because again, presently we don't necessarily see a lot of that we'll see days after where the girl's like yeah. freaking out like oh this happened and I'm talking to my Ghosting girlfriends her. about it Ghosting um, sucks anybody who ghosts don't do it just say I'm sorry. It's not, you're great, but you know what I ghosting is stupid. It's kind of my little, yeah, yeah, it's kind of like, it's cowardly. And, and like, so for me, I'm very forgetful to respond to people, but I always respond, but in ghosting is like, even if it's two weeks later, I'm very sorry. Um, but ghosting is like a different kind of like mental torture. Yeah. Because then it's like, I need to know, like, did something I do, was it something, yeah. was it me or was it you? Cause if it was me, I would like to know what, because that may not, that may be a thing that irritates you, but it might not be a thing that irritates the next person. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Cause what else oh. made that really great too, is because he had showed his cards earlier to her about how he'll make something up about needing yeah. to leave the next day. <laughs> yep. And, and she thought she would be the exception because they mm-hmm. had laid such a foundation and nope, nope, he did that gross thing. I do appreciate though, that he didn't specifically lie to her about why he had to leave. Like they both had to go to work, which yeah. He and he is- slept, I mean, he slept the night. Oh, I remember what I was going to say. Yeah. He stayed the night and yeah. he just, he just wasn't nice though. Yeah. Like given it's one thing, if you just met and you're a little bit like, gotta go. Okay. Mm-hmm. You know, but like they, were like friends for years and you're like mm-hmm. gotta go that's weird i remember though the the um that scene in reality bites they do it really well where after they sleep together it's almost the same kind of plot line they're friends for years and then when ethan hawk like gets up all weird and he's like and she's just like so that's it and it's this totally terrible like after sex you know seeing the morning after where he just like bails but it's like almost the exact same vibe yeah um, reality bites is a great movie i completely forgot about 
It's so Amazing. good. Yeah. Gotta put that on your list. Seriously. Cause young Ethan Hawke and Rhinota Ryder, right? Yeah. And Ben yeah. Stiller. Oh, Ben and Stiller. And Garofalo. Yes. And Steve Vaughn. Steve Vaughn is like kind of my favorite part of the whole movie. <laughs> oh my gosh. It's been a while since I've seen reality based. You know, so Winona Ryder in the nineties was just so great. Like her list. Okay, she of, like is the nineties. She is the nineties. Like yeah. how to make an American quilt reality bites, little women, obviously. Did she do Edward Scissorhands or it was that eighties? No, uh, Edwards. I don't think that was the eighties. That was like maybe early nineties, early nineties. Yeah. I feel like Mabes. Um, well, now I have to look. <laughs> yeah. Look it up. Oh, that movie. And Johnny I'm Johnny Depp. They were Sorry, together. Okay for years who didn't oh, she date though i kind of envy her dating roster she dating the 90s. Damon. she's like she's like oh 1990 specifically 1990 okay and beetle now beetlejuice was 80s but yeah yeah but still i mean she's just such a 90s yeah mm-hmm. and you reality think- bites is kind of like the thing yeah yes so good there was another one that she was she in it i don't know they're just 90s movies in general like it's just the storytelling just kind of unleashed in a different way which I know like it was like it was like all the kids who were born in the late 60s early 70s who got in were just like this is what we're doing now (laughs) yeah yeah I I like bounce back and forth between 80s and 90s because it's like I was a child in the 80s but I had an older sister who was a teenager so she passed down all of her pop culture, everything to me. And I absorbed it like a sponge. Cause I like worshiped her, but then I was like a teenager in the nineties. So mm-hmm. to me, it's like, that's my identity. I claim the nineties for myself, you know? Mm-hmm. So I flip flat back and forth between which I love more, but I just love both. We'll just yeah. say that. Yeah. I yeah. agree. For the Atlantic magazine, a few years ago, Megan Garber dissected the scene where Harry introduces the concept of low maintenance to Sally. For those of you who haven't seen the film, I don't know why you haven't, <laughs> but for those of you who have, you'll recognize the description of this scene. It's a split screen and they're watching Casablanca together. Sally's in her home. Harry's in his home. They're on the phone. Harry comments that Ingrid Bergman is a low maintenance woman, which of course sparks Sally's interest because what does that even mean? And the discussion of high and low maintenance commences. Garber highlights yet another cultural impact of this film when she writes, according to the Random House Historical Dictionary of American Slang, it was when Harry met Sally that popularized the term high maintenance in American culture. And there it has remained its use climbing steadily over the past 30 years. An assessment that is also a rebuke, high maintenance is one of those breezy truisms that is so common it barely registers as an insult. But the term today does precisely what it did 30 years ago. As backlash brewed against the women's movement, it serves as an indictment of women who want. It neatly captures the absurdity of the culture that is in one breath, demands women do everything they can to, quote, maintain themselves, and in the next, mocks them for making the effort. So that article is titled The Quiet Cruelty of When Harry Met Sally. And I think I might agree that the paradox of being a woman who knows what she wants and yet mocked for being a strong and confident is never ending. The part I really struggled with in this commentary, though, is that Nora Ephron herself was a pioneer in so many ways. And for her to create this narrative 
is it a, so like my mind's like, is it a product of the era or does she truly believe that these two categories exist and was just using Billy Crystal as the catalyst to propel this concept? So with that said, for this movie to be repeatedly deemed the best rom-com of all time, is it fair to challenge that status and criticize the introduction of these two types of women, high maintenance and low maintenance? You know, the question about Nora Ephron and where she was coming from, I was stumped on that. And I'm still stumped. I'm not sure what I think. My first thought is like, well, even pioneers are not perfect. So she might, it might've been an oversight. Um, I also, you know, think about that other book that she wrote. Did you read the, the neck? Like I hate my neck. Oh, sorry about my neck. Yeah. Yeah. You know, to me, that's like, uh, I mean, I don't like, I personally feel like that was like working for her at that time, like bringing out all these, like, yes, this is what happens to our neck when we turn 40 and it's kind of gross. Like that's revolutionary. Mm -hmm. But like right now, I actually don't feel like that narrative is all that helpful because I'm much more like, well, how can I find a way to think this is beautiful? You know, like going a little bit forward. So it's like, she is just a woman, even though she's a pioneer, maybe this was an oversight on her part. Mm -hmm. I don't really know because she's also really smart. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of hard to believe that she did, you know, that she d- missed that. Yeah. But I don't know what I think in terms of where she's coming from. I totally think it's fair to criticize yes, this but issue. Especially because, you know, I, st- I went through the whole, well, did she just do it for laughs? Was it just a comedy yeah. thing? Because she knew it was going to be funny without realizing that it would become a thing. Cause yeah. that happens too, because yeah. she's, you know, for people who, li- who are listening, who don't know necessarily Nora Ephron's story, she used to work for a magazine that wouldn't let women write in the early seventies. And so she was basically like, fuck this and left and found a magazine, went to work for a magazine that would give her bylines. And if, for, if anybody's curious, there's a book called the good girls revolt. And then an Amazon prime series original that only ran for one season that specifically touches on that era. And they reference Nora Ephron in the show. Mm-hmm. And I believe she's referenced in the book too. I have the book. I'm going to read it. And PS, mm-hmm. we will be discussing it on this podcast mm-hmm. in a few weeks with another guest. Um, but Exciting. the point is, is, you know, she's, she, she like, basically fought the man so she could have the career she has yeah or had rather may she rest in peace the well the other weird thing is and i'm gonna like full disclosure to- mm-hmm. hashtag ignorant totally being honest here so i this it did not occur to me to even mind the high maintenance low maintenance scene oh. until you brought t- yeah like not now in this moment but when you you know when Sent we discussed those, this earlier yeah. i was like And then I started, I was like, that's fucked up. You know, like I just like totally got super fired up. But in my defense, I will say, I do think that is a part of number one. It's so embedded in our culture, right? It's I totally missed it. Also, this is a movie I have been watching since my youth. Well, before I thought to even be angry about anything in our society, you know, I was and honestly, just my personal story, I would say it's only been since 2017 where it even occurred to me to start getting mad at these kinds of things. And that was a turning point in my life where I refer to it as when the goddess arrived. Yes. And it, it changed my dating life because 
I stopped putting men on a pedestal, but I didn't even realize I was putting a men on a pedestal mm-hmm. my whole life. And it was just this crazy thing. So I feel like it's so natural for so many of us as females to just like take it and be like, yeah, I mean, I thought the scene was funny. Like I was always quoting the scene and, and to really break it down. I'm like, oh my God, I, I can't believe I missed that, you know, as a woman and even rewatching it as a a person in a relationship, probably the last time I watched it was when I was single. Mm -hmm. It's so crazy when you watch something, when you're seeing the movies that I latch onto when I was single and took for truth. And then you like have the relationship, then you rewatch the movie. You're like, this is fucked up. Like, (laughs) why did I think this was a good thing here? So to watch it again, I found myself being so much more protective of Sally Mm -hmm. in all these scenes and being like with Harry, I was like, he's kind of a jerk. Like Mm -hmm. the first half of this half of the movie is kind of a jerk. Mm -hmm. And then he, you know, grows up basically matures. And I think becomes like worthy of her, but yeah, like totally lost on it. Like didn't even. Yeah. You bring up a good point though, because we've basically been watching this movie our whole lives, right? Like (laughs) the concepts and everything about it have existed forever as far as we're concerned. So it would be interesting to find somebody who was maybe similarly aged as Sally was in the movie at the time. And for Mm. them to sort of be like pre when Harry met Sally, high maintenance, low maintenance and post, because like you, I'm like, yeah, high maintenance, low maintenance. That totally is a thing, right? Like that's totally a thing. And then as I got older and became more particular about certain Mm -hmm. things, because now I'm getting more confident in who I am and what I want and what I don't want. And just being more assertive, people would throw things out like, oh, you're so high maintenance. No, Uh, just don't really want this in my life you know? Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, it's not high maintenance because you don't have to deal with whatever aftermath, right? Like her ordering bit, I would like it on this side. And if you don't Uh have it, I'd like it, blah, blah, blah. Uh Girl, I can do that shit for days because I have food allergies. (laughs) So it's like, cool. You're taking care of yourself. Mm -hmm. You can sit there and think I'm high maintenance all you want, because I said, I can't have, or I don't want, and all these things, but you don't have to live with me after the fact, if I've eaten it. So shut up with your high maintenance. (laughs) Yeah. And honestly, even if you didn't have food allergies, you have every right to be like, I want it this way, but well, and the other thing is, you know, you, this class you throw it back. If this was a guy, Mm -hmm. well, if it was a guy behaving this way, you know, he's confident or he's, he knows what he wants, whatever. And we're like these, you know, we're just painted. I mean, again, I thought Sally was an annoying, you know, I even went back in my notes because I was writing the word like annoying. (laughs) And I was like, look at me, I'm doing it. Like I'm actually demonizing her Mm -hmm. just for these little personality quirks, which by the way, I personally have and display all of the time, you know, but it's also like, yeah, but I'm also ashamed of them. And have Mm. of my own, you know, annoyingness or when I'm being, you know, it's something that I have that I think we all as women have to like fight through to be like, am I being a biatch here or am I, is this okay? You know, like, because nobody's telling us it's okay. You're, you're not a terrible woman. If you, nobody's telling us that except if we tell each other, you know, which also doesn't happen that often. Right. So yeah, it's kind of embarrassing, but it's true. It's part of that representation, right? Like I was having a conversation with my friend the other day. I was like, I struggle sometimes with the representation of single moms on TV or just in yeah, relationships in general, because 
it's not always my story because there's so many types of single parenting that can exist. One, two, like my relationship journey hasn't been the same. I know so many women who have an infant and then in a year or two marry somebody else and then start a whole new family. I could not, I I can't wrap my head around that because yeah. I don't know my infant, you know, yes. so getting to know my infant and my child before developing a new relationship, it just fe- sounds like a lot of work to me yeah. to be like, I need to get to know this dependent child and this human male, like, <laughs> this grown male. Like, I don't know how women do both. And (laughs) we see so much of that on, on it represented in pop culture, that type of narrative that I'm just like, yeah, I would like to see some relationships that look like maybe the relationships I've had and the journey that I've had would be really nice to see because it's not the same. There was a show on Showtime for a while called Smilf, Okay. And it was single mom, I'd like to whatever. And she was, oh. she was such a shit show that it, like, I watched it because I thought it actually was a pretty good yeah. show. But when she was trying to do single momming stuff, it was such a shit show that I was just like, I struggle with this because like I was 22 with a two-year-old and yeah, yeah, I was a shit show, but I wasn't that shit show. Like it was very well yeah, put and you together. Don't... My presentation was very well put together behind the scenes. It was a shit show. I don't know. Yeah. 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 No, I mean, I, I never saw the show, but you def- definitely don't want to like, I mean, when you say shit show, I'm not sure. Are you saying like, she was just kind of neglectful and couldn't manage her life yeah, there was a scene hard to watch. where she so she and her child shared a bed and this to me was like shocking because that's yeah. just not this is not my not her sharing the bed with her child that's not shocking because you know co-sleeping's a thing like yeah. I like I'm not I'm not anti-co-sleeping but this particular scene her child's asleep in bed she calls a booty call friend oh. he comes over and they proceed wow. to have intimacies with the sleeping child next to her in bed. And I'm sitting what? there jaw dropped. And I'm like, is this normal for people? Like, do people do that? Because our representation in pop culture is women getting, mm. st- you know, bristled and like, no, don't touch me. Our child's in the bed. We can't do this. They're in the room. Da, 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 da. Yeah. Um, so seeing that scene, I was like, do I need to, do I need to think about what my, my uh, like what kind of brain things do I need to yeah. think about because of this scene because the scene makes me very uncomfortable so then it just kind of turned into this whole like is this are people God, doing I, this like I is this think normal? it's safe to say that it's not normal but maybe it is but I mean the other tricky part about you know when you're talking about the culture of you know the single moms who find somebody shortly after like it's also playing into this other this other like fucked up ideal or whatever that, that the culture puts on us, which is like, you pretty much can't really manage without a man or Mm -hmm. you need to be saved by a man. So it's like, if you're a single mom, you're struggling, you have the kid, you, you know, don't go longer than two years without snagging a man. Cause otherwise you're just flailing. You're just floating. You're just waiting. And you know, whatever, there's a lot of complexity there. And, and, in some ways, yeah, it might be really helpful to have like a male partner helping out, but if it's not the right thing and you're not ready for it, then it's worse, but it's still, you have the added pressure of feeling like 
you're, I don't know, inadequate or something. If you don't have this like male Mm -hmm. person coming in to like save you from your life. Right. Cinderella complex, right? Yeah. It's not fair or fun. No, 100%. Like totally. And I think what is to tie it back to when Harry met Sally, Sally totally knows who she is, what she wants, what she doesn't want. And so again, back to your point, Harry grows so much that he's finally worthy of her in the end. And he's caught up to her. He's caught up to her. And I think that for me is another reason why this movie is one that I rewatch all the time, because she is not backing down in who she is and she's forcing him. She's not really forcing him, but he's realizing like, oh, I love this woman. If I want to be able to be with her, I have to like grow and evolve as a human. And I'm not saying that that plays into the whole, like, you can change the bad boy to be your boyfriend. Cause that's a narrative that needs to stop. Yeah. That but needs I'm, to go. But I think it's a natural, healthy sh- demonstration of like, they've been friends for 12 years and it took him 12 years to, to grow. Do I think it should take men that long to grow? No. <laughs> <laughs> Is it fair that we have to assume that men develop slowly and less quickly than women? No. But at the same so time, annoying. I feel like this is saying to men, Hey guys, it's okay to grow. Like maybe yeah, you I, grow. you know, I love that. I never even thought of that, that like, I, I did think about it when I was really thinking about my feelings about Sally's character and where I was sort of off with the whole thing, but like, yes, she does not ever, you know, put him first or put him on a pedestal or put herself down. I mean, she's actually through a lot of the movies, she's defending herself. Like, I love that one scene. <laughs> It's so amazing what we're, uh, they're walking through central park of the beautiful orange leaves. And he says something screwed up. Like, you know, um, I think I wrote it down. He says something about, you know, I really didn't like you that much when I first met you. Mm-hmm. She was like, I didn't like you. And he's like, no, yeah. nah, you were still hard. And she was like, you know, I hate that kind of a remark. It yeah. sounds like a compliment, but really it's an insult. And she was like, right. I just didn't want to sleep with you. And yeah. you had to write it off as a character flaw rather than deal with the fact that it might have something to do with you. Yeah. And then he like backed down and was like, what's the statute of limitations on an apologies, which was also so romantic. Cause he was just like, yeah, that was fucked up. I yeah. apologize. Yeah. And then their friendship, that's literally when their friendship began. Mm-hmm. So it's like, he sort of, she presented herself as like, no, I was not wrong here. Cause I didn't want to like sleep with you after meeting you for eight hours, you know? Right. And he was like, Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Respect. And she was like, okay, well then we can be friends now. Like that is so goddess level. Awesome. Yeah. And it's just so funny. Cause this was such a, an old movie. And I don't think we see a lot of that even now, mm-hmm. at least not in rom-coms. No, rom-coms have very gone, very much gone back to that trope of like, I'm whatever. And I'm sad because I don't have a man totally. or a partner. And, and yeah, sure. I'm fucking it lonely. It's yeah. weird. Like I can acknowledge that it's fucking yeah. lonely. My child is practically grown. So he's yeah. like out with his friends and I'm over here. Yeah. Like, what am I going to do with my life? <laughs> like, yeah maybe I'll do the dishes now, but at the same time, it's like, it's not, you know, it's not finding a partner. Isn't, isn't informing my decisions on what I should be doing with my life. I know, but that's why it's so confused. That's why the pop culture, if you are pop culture, like geeks, like us, where it's such a huge part of 
not only our lives, but almost like the way we think and like Mm -hmm. are programmed. It's like, it's so hard because like during that single, I mean, my, I still look back at my single period. Sometimes I'll start, I'll get emotional thinking about how precious that whole journey and time was. And, and I just feel like, yes, but like, we do feel lonely and we do feel like we want a man to come help us. And wouldn't it be nice? There's a tornado warning outside right now. It would be nice if a guy was here with me because I'm kind of scared right now, you know? And it's like, so it's like the rom-com stuff like plays into like the reality of our feelings, Mm -hmm. but it takes it to like that next level of like, well, you're pretty much doomed unless you meet like John Cusack right. in the coffee shop round. Like uh, if that's not happening for you, then, you know, something's wrong, which right. sucks. It does suck. And, <laughs> and it's not true, but it, it feels true. And the other message that I feel like is re, re, um, reaffirmed time and time again, which makes Rebel Wilson's rom-com so revolutionary mm-hmm. and it shouldn't be revolutionary. It should just be normal. Yeah. You have to be very fit, thin, quaffed all these things and it's like even the even the nerdy girls are still pretty much featherweight and you're just kind of like over here like cool so you're telling me that like girls with a little curve or like a little weight aren't gonna and that's what makes jennifer aniston's movies so jennifer aniston jennifer lopez (laughs) lord help me um because you know she's she's not stick thin and she's you know still kind of having these meet cute meet cute rom-com situations but all of her leading men have been like white guys so like give her a rom-com with a leading man that's like maybe also not white yeah <laughs> they really need nice. to like redo casting mm-hmm. I guess moving forward you know if I mean I don't even know I have a, a Phil a friend and who has like a PhD in cinema studies and he had pointed out one time that uh they don't make rom-coms anymore really and I was it's like, not a moneymaker huh? yeah. yeah which I don't understand that but let's say they started up again you know it would be so amazing to just recast mm-hmm. different races different sizes different everything because it's also just getting kind of boring yeah and I'm not opposed to like interracial relationships that's not what I was saying with my statement about Jen- Jennifer Aniston Jennifer Aniston I did it again <laughs> Jennifer <laughs> Lopez and so her funny. mom's always being a leading white male it's just there are lots of beautiful men in the world who, especially yeah. in Hollywood. So give those actors a chance to, to show us that, you know, we can pine after. A totally. Theory. Women love all kinds of all beautiful men. men. <laughs> there is no restriction. Like a couple no. months ago, we, my friend and I did an episode, just a full on appreciation for Malcolm Jamal Warner. Like that was the whole oh, point oh, of yeah, the show. Yes. <laughs> Cause he's beautiful. He you know, he's beautiful. It's just give us more of that. But, but, yeah. you know, it's, it's like that, um, narrative of like, you can only fall in love with a white guy in a rom-com like that to me. I know that's not directly God, that's... what they're doing. It's probably just a whole lot of ignorance happening, but so, <laughs> like no one's seeing it from the other side. Like no one's coming up and saying like, Hey, maybe we shouldn't always just cast yeah. hot white dudes. Like, are, th- are there any rom-coms with a non-white guy that you can think of? I'm trying to think. So jumping the broom is comes to mind, but again, it was not a super big flick. Yeah. Right? Like yeah. not a lot of people know about it. Paula Pattinson yeah. is in it. Um, and so, mm. you know, it's a, it is a predominantly black cast, but it's not, it doesn't get a huge, it doesn't have 
yeah the same level of like recognition that when you see yeah, like Harry movie. Met Sally or yeah. you know any other like white leading rom-com yeah but there's there's see and I'm trying to it's been so long since I've seen love and basketball that I can't remember if it's a rom-com or if it was like because I remember it feeling like sadness through the movie because there is mm. so I need to rewatch it and be like is this yeah another one that's low level but again white male lead something um bar some not something broad was it called something new it was is really cute but again it's like a leading you know the the lead actress is black but the main guy is white she falls in love with um so the, i can't mm. like so, so this there's is terrible. really not there's really not jumping in the room is the only one that comes to mind but that's also because i've watched that movie so much <laughs> and, and then when they put it on netflix i was like thank you netflix this is going yeah. on in the background amazing but more recently and then too in the grand scheme of the conversation like it feels more obscure once you do kind of find one that doesn't have a leading lady and fella who are both white yeah it needs to be it's just a it needs to be normalized Mm -hmm. in order and it's just not and that's a problem because you know what if michael b jordan did a rom-com he probably won't because his, you know, he's got a pretty stellar resume and it doesn't include yeah. rom-coms. No. Um, I would be here for that. The way he looks so at his people. leading ladies in movies, just ha- like, he is so good at looking like he's yeah, truly crush. in love with those women. Yeah. I yeah. need that in a rom-com. Oh, please. I feel like you're not the only one too. So it's like, how, how are these not been made yet? Listen to us movie people Hollywood <laughs> listen up famous people filmmakers, I got producers whoever you are whoever you are we got a list of actors we want to see in these quirky rom-coms just call me well don't Idris call me but maybe he, oh Idris old. Elba <gasps> he's not too old right no I don't care that make yeah <laughs> make for people over 40 make them I, I was gonna it. say that be like yes he's the one that I just as you were talking I was like Idris Elba that would be super he's watchable so hot <laughs> his episodes of the office are some of my favorite ones because he's just in a like in a button down with the tie and the pants yeah. i'm like yes or him and um and molly's game have you ever oh, seen, I haven't molly's, seen game? molly's game okay you need to see molly like, talk about female forward power oh my god it's with um jessica chastain yeah. and it's like a real story it's about, based on, yeah this is based on yeah history. the gambling whatever but yeah. he's like her lawyer and he's he's all oh, I bet he's up. real sexy as a lawyer yeah, you need to see it <laughs> i love this rabbit hole we fell down because it's very important rom-coms yeah. aren't dead there's an audience for it it's just not in the same way as like you know big blockbuster thrills. free guy yeah. actually ended up being a rom-com the new ryan reynolds movie really yeah <laughs> which i, I think have I, weird feelings about I'm, him but i'm, I'm really weird. I don't know if I'll, I don't know if I should get, I mean, I we don't, I don't, don't debate don't his gorgeousness. I yeah, mean, he is beautiful. He mm-hmm. might be the most gorgeous, but like, he's kind of the king of rom-coms of the early aughts. I know I'm going to be such a, I do like the one with him in a, with Isla Fisher. Oh, definitely. I don't maybe. know what it's called. Yeah. Cause he, anyway, but I, I don't know. My, my twin and I like go back and forth about this. Cause we both have this thing about him that we don't really like, like it's a little bit like, yeah, he's funny, but like, he's almost trying too hard to be funny and 
the accessible guy when really like he's Ryan Reynolds. There's nothing yeah. accessible about him. He's right. You married Blake people. Lively. Like, yeah. Like maybe clearly a golden couple. Thing. Yeah. It's like, you don't, you need something like a scar on your face or something for me to believe that you're like relatable. Cause I don't think you're like the guy next door. Like I yeah. just like, don't buy that. And I really like him in serious roles yeah he was he in that really scary movie called life i think where you're up in space and the weird aliens like attacked whatever he was it was a serious role and i thought he was really good in that so that's my little thing about ryan reynolds but okay so he's in a rom-com yeah free guy which doesn't present as a rom-com and so yeah, it it's you get to and i probably just ruined it but when you get to the end of it and they have like start doing the resolution, you're like, oh shit, this is a rom-com. <laughs> like, thank you. That's kind of cool. And I think it's a testament to the fact that they kind of had to sh- put it in there to make it. Yeah. Make like you had care to about re- it. repackage what a rom-com could be. Yeah. Because you think it's this, you know, movie about like this guy who's stuck in a video game and he's trying to like save the world. Yes. Yeah. And there are characters that are in love and this whole world that's been created is actually really a love story, like a tribute to the girl that he loves. Not Ryan Reynolds character himself. Ryan Reynolds character is a manifestation of the person that, yeah, that created Mm -hmm. him. And so it just ended up being just so good. And Chris Evans makes it. um... Oh my God. He's my fave. Oh, if you had to decide between Chris Evans and Chris Pine, I'm going to America's ass. Chris Evans. Okay. I'm going like, to go for pine. Cause I like a little bit of dark edge. I feel and like that's fair. Pine is I, a little dark. I feel like that is fair. And that means that we can stay friends. You can have we yours. Will not yep. be I'll take mine. You have yours. We'll all go out. It'll be fun. Yeah. I have very publicly stated multiple times on this show that I am like a Chris Evans crush girl and it's I mean, not probably amazing. okay. <laughs> He's a grown it's fine. and like, he'll be fine. It's fine. He's, he's amazing. So handsome. He's unbelievable. And then he's, I think that, he's a truly nice person. Actually, I, I agree. And I think, and he started that, um, he co-founded that, uh, it's called a starting point with, I forget the other guy's name. And it basically just breaks down the American politics system. And like, they talk yeah, about like all the stuff. Political. And I'm just like, I love that you yeah. saw a need because he went on this journey of trying, because when I was watching him talk about why he started it, he explained that when he went on the journey of trying to figure out certain things to make an informed decision, it was really hard. Yeah. So he created this platform that's bipartisan that people could go to and like learn more about whatever the issues are. Wow. And I was like, stop being so sexy. Like that's sexy yeah. as hell. There has to be something wrong. There has to be something wrong with him right like he's i'm sure girl- there is he's a all his i don't know all of his girlfriends Maybe are he, now like happily uh, ex-girlfriends now are happily partnered yeah jenny slate jenny just slate had is a like, baby and she's so yeah. cute and i thought they were so cute together and i was just, like, i, I hate wish her, they were to- I don't I know. hate her because i love them together same but i'm also like super jealous of her because i'm like you like had that yeah that's amazing like you know what and it was really cruel the media and people were really fucking cruel to them because they kept commenting things about how they don't look like they should be together and it's a weird tearing yeah yeah punching above the weight and it's just like fuck you like i I hope i I also have like a major girl crush on her yeah like i'm also just like she is 
super gorgeous. Like I totally get it, but yeah, it's not, it was so, it's not nice. It makes me so upset. Like, stop it. People, you can't control who you have affection for and are attracted to like, don't do that. But our society does that. And it's just so awful. Yeah. Ugh, breaks my heart. Anyway. (laughs) Yeah. On another note, I don't (laughs) think anyone would argue against when Harry met Sally being the pinnacle of a romantic comedy greatness. The dialogue is funny. The witty quips, the chemistry of the cast is amazing because you really truly believe that Meg Ryan and Carrie Fisher are best friends. And then of course, watching it last night, I'm thinking, did Meg Ryan, like, was she affected by Carrie Fisher's death? Because I don't remember, everyone did this outpour and cry, but I can't remember if Meg Ryan said anything. Yeah, like, maybe they weren't actually friends in real life, but mm-hmm. they were amazing in the movie. It's so good together. Yeah. And Bruno Kirby and Harry. Um, they are actually friends. And Billy Crystal, right? Yeah. They were, he was in City Slickers. Also. I loved them All-time in City favorite. Slickers. Oh my God. I can't even talk about that movie. I love it. I can't even handle how much I love that movie. It's but so, I finally showed my child that movie because it's like, oh, let's watch City Slickers. He's like, what? I'm like, I'm <laughs> failing you as your mother. Yeah, he needs you to, need see, to that. see this movie. Yeah. Did he like it or was he, he like, eh? No, okay. he liked it. Yeah, but it's, I think they were friends in real life for mm-hmm. years, right? Yeah, I think so because they did yeah. a, a fair amount of movies together, I believe, especially yeah. in the 80s and 90s. Yeah. But everything about this movie was totally top notch. And it's so easy to see why it was nominated for an Academy Award. And it actually did win the BAFTA for Best Original Screenplay. I didn't realize mm-hmm. that until I started researching for, for, for us. Them. Yeah. Libby, I'm just, I really enjoyed this conversation today. Good. Thank you for coming by. That's I so did too. Amazing. I had so much fun. I could talk about, oh my, I mean, I feel like there was so many offshoots. We could have just done yeah. a whole other episode on. So yeah, yeah. this was There's fantastic. So many different roads we could have gone down. Yeah. I chose relationships. <laughs> well, what else is there? I mean, honestly, that's the ju- that's the juiciest yeah. one. And that's what I'm interested in. It's just fun to talk about. So I yeah. agree. Yeah. Can, can you remind everyone where they can find you if they want to keep up with you online? Yes, absolutely. So you can follow me on Instagram at the goddess attainable. And I have a blog, which is the goddess That's sort of my landing page for everything. Uh, my podcast is called the goddess attainable podcast. I'm kind of Putting, my, putting myself everywhere. So I'm on Apple, Spotify, iHeart, Stitcher, Google, and TuneIn. <laughs> um, but you can find all that on my website too, goddessattainable.com. Perfect. Yeah. And as always, you can find the show, Pop Culture Makes Me Jealous, on Instagram. Thanks for tuning in, y'all. Until next time. Bye.